How's it going, good peoples? Niche here, aka the Sister Pastor. And on this episode of the Sister Pastor Speaks, I'm going to pour in some tea or spill a little bit of tea of my quarantine experience, how things have been since the month of March. Y'all, this COVID Rona has given me a run for the money and then some. A lot of things have happened, so many crazy shocks and revelations and discoveries that I've dealt with. And George Floyd, man, I'm going to have to do a whole episode with the George Floyd situation and how it impacted my whole ministry. So at this moment, let's hit that music real quick. So... These past couple of months have been nothing short of character building for your girl. Y'all, when I said COVID has snatched off the sheets of so many things that I thought that were permanent, it has basically showed the stuff that is permanent and is here to stay. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but this has literally been a soul journey for your girl like I think a little bit after I I talked to you guys back in March I just had a shutdown moment a total shutdown moment I was going through personal hardships church hardships and then being in Minneapolis Minnesota y'all it oh my gosh that was like the last straw that broke your girl's back or the camel's back in the situation, y'all. It was, it was hard. And experiencing heartbreak during quarantine is not the greatest thing, especially being by yourself, living alone, away from family and, and, and your closest friends. Y'all, it was hard. It was painful. Full. Like literally, it got to the point that I just started breaking down crying because I wish I was able to just escape onto Maryland to be with my parents and to be with my family just for that reason. But nevertheless, y'all, it was then I had some other crazy stuff happening and if the Lord sees it fit, then I'll eventually disclose it in a different episode. In a, in a totally different season after I'm done with the processing um, capabilities and stuff. So, yeah, it was rough. But nevertheless, I think whatever happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd, that was a way for me to snap back into my mission. I did a sermon based off of the story of Hannah and I was just frustrated with everything. I, fr- I was frustrated with being alone. I was frustrated with not having kids. I was frustrated not finding that special someone. And this was the kind of prayer that I was praying for a while. And I vented out to my mom and dad about it. And I became real with them. And that was the first time that I was real. Like, yo, single life, yeah, I love it and all. But there's times when it sucks. I know it's, it's, it's reckless, but it was hard because when you're by yourself, when you're quarantined alone, you realize like, man, am I going to die alone? 
And granted, you know, I have my friends and family, but it's not the same because they're not in the same room as I am. So, but when George Floyd happened, I could say it was a wake-up call. It was just before my one-year mark in my new church district when George Floyd was lynched. And I was like, oh my gosh. I found out that there were protests happening. There was a peaceful protest that was taking place outside of Cup Foods where he was lynched. And I was talking to some friends about it. And I said, guys, I want to be out there. And they were, you know, they supported me, but they were more concerned because COVID. And of course, COVID is really high out in Minneapolis in that particular area. And I was like, oh my goodness. So how's this going to work? All I could do was I prayed, asked God for guidance, grabbed my mask, and drove over to 38th in Chicago, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And just seeing the people out there, just, it was wow. Seeing the people out there from every walk of life, race, religion, gender, generation, it was affirming. It was really affirming to get that kind of solidarity. Along that, there was people that were just frustrated with law enforcement because this was not the first rodeo for Minnesota, let alone Minneapolis. I was able to just see people, seeing young kids being out, raising this awareness, asking if they'll be the next to gain a hashtag. And as I sat there and just absorb all of this stuff, I realized it was a great need for me on behalf of my churches in this area. I, just when I was about to leave and take off, I saw a sister that came up with her grandchild and she told me that they are marching towards the police precinct. And I remember I was like, okay, so I felt like that was my time to go home. But she, because she actually mentioned that she was, she wasn't going to march, but she was going to drive over there. So that's what we did. We drove. Um, I was right behind her in the car and we stopped closer in to where the precinct was and joined in with the march. And to see people coming out, marching, playing music, with signs in their hands that they had already. It was a really moving experience. I was able to talk with the sister that I followed with her grandchild. And she was talking to me about how long she's been in Minneapolis and how she knew the police chief, and who is an amazing guy, you guys, like... Oh my gosh, I love Chief Arredondo. Such a breath of fresh air. So y'all please keep him lifted in your prayers. And she mentioned, you know, she used to live a couple doors away from him. And so we were walking and talking. And honestly, guys, I really felt so fulfilled from that because I was able to march with the people and to hear their stories and to 
hear their frustrations. And that's something that many of us, we tend to overlook when it comes to protests. Protest is biblical. Protest is a part of the U.S. Amendment. We have the freedom to protest. We have the freedom to petition. That's the First Amendment. That's the Bill of Rights that we have. And while we were marching there, it, it, be, it started to get a little rainy. And I was a little concerned because mask and rain do not mix. Also, there was a good portion of people out there. And I've noticed, I was like, we are not social distancing. No matter how much they keep emphasizing social distancing, we are not social distancing. So as people got closer to the precinct, we, you know, I stood there, you know, just shouting, Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace. Prosecute the police. We noticed that it was it began to rain. The sister with the grand where her grandchild said, Okay, I gotta leave, but I don't want you know, I I wanna make sure that you're good and I was like, yo, I'm right behind you. I think I think I'm about to dip out myself, which I did. Cause Darnisha is directionally challenged. You put her in the middle of Minneapolis and I would not know where to go. I would need a GPS, even by walking. Pray for your preacher. So we were walking back to our cars and we were just talking. And, you know, she shared with me about her life story and, you know, how God was able to bless her and her family. And we were really connected. She asked me, you know, like, you know, how long you've been here? And I told her I've been, you know, it's been almost a year and she asked you know what brings you to Minnesota of course what brings a black person to Minnesota (laughs) other than work so I told her you know I'm here for work I'm a pastor and you know she asked for my denomination I told her you know I was Seventh-day Adventist and normally guys it's nerve-wracking as a Seventh-day Adventist minister when you tell somebody you're Seventh-day Adventist there's two things they're cool with it or they're livid they're outraged about this particular denomination you either love them or you hate them there's no middle ground y'all no middle ground so she mentioned she brought up the sabbath and she said you know i'm so glad i like the fact that y'all kept the sabbath and then she talked about how you know her and her family they would keep the sabbath from time to time and it was just a beautiful conversation you know and from that experience we exchange information and you know we're friends on social media and she happened to follow my church's site. I didn't ask her to follow my church's site. She did it on her own free will. And that's something that I was grateful for. If it wasn't a group of people, if it wasn't all people, at least there was one person that made a difference and I made that connection. Um, not as a means of conversion, but just as a means of connection, relationship. And I'm just grateful that we were able to meet and Actually, guys, by the time I got home, y'all, it was torrential rain when I was going back from the protest, going back home. It was torrential rain. And then by the time I got home, I see that tear gas were deployed. And I was a th- little thing I was a little bit nervous about was the tear gas because one, if Darnisha was still stuck there, two, I wouldn't know where my car was, three, like I had nobody else but myself. I didn't go with anybody else but me. So... That was what I was grateful for. And then the following days after, you know, things just went totally chaotic. And when you're in a place where people are just outraged, they're tired. 
of the brutality. They're tired of being hurt. They're tired of seeing people that look like them being killed on national television. And that's something I've been trying to let my members know because being in a multicultural church, multi-ethnic church, there, yeah, people, they, they pride themselves in diversity, but in all actuality, they're, they gravitate towards the idea of the church being a melting pot. And I'm not really into the melting pot analogy because the melting pot is the thought of being assimilated to one actual culture. And I don't believe that. I believe that the church is a flower garden. There's various types of flowers from various walks of life and from different colors and scents and aromas and the way that they grow, um, the style of growing, how they're being nurtured. It's it's something to be taken um, into consideration. So I've done at least three to four marches since George Floyd. I did a clergy march. Um, that was my first time wearing a clergy collar and y'all, those things are hot. I don't know how y'all do it, but to be fair, I had a long sleeve clergy top, but I would love a short sleeve top. So we had that. And then of course I got burnt out because it's exhausting. It's a lot of work when you're doing activist duty, making sure that your community is good. My church is 15 minutes away from where George Floyd was lynched. So, of course, I felt like we have to do something. It's next door to us. And I've always been about social justice in that area. So afterwards, you know, we, you know, I took some time off just to breathe a little bit and just get back on the saddle. And it took at least, I think it happened to me. So by, it took at least two months for me to get back into the swing of full-time pastoral ministry duties. And it wasn't easy. I couldn't eat well. I couldn't sleep well. There were times when I would skip meals and my only way for me to get some kind of calories is by putting condensed milk in my coffee and tea. Um, I would eat out. I wasn't motivated to cooking. And it it took a lot of energy. I couldn't sleep. Because I kept following the protests, like, through my friend's Facebook Live. And it was just, like, just thinking about Breonna Taylor and the thought of her being shot and killed in her apartment while she was sleeping. That was something that shook me as a black pastor. And I'm saying this to y'all just a way. This is my way of me just processing just a holistic experience. And it wasn't easy. It was not easy. That was my very first time being out in a ground zero situation as a pastor. And I um, I encourage my colleagues, for the most part, is that we got to do something. We got to be present with our brothers and sisters, with our community family members. Because my belief is when the community is hurting, the church should be hurting in outrage as well. And we have to come together. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm basing all of this. I'm basing my approach, even like from protesting and calling out and shouting Black Lives Matter, despite whatever the movement is about, 
but the same Black Lives Matter should not be discounted. It should not be discounted. And as we notice little fires everywhere, I tell, I tell my colleagues that this is our way of ministering, of witnessing, as being out. Because if I was a person looking from the outside, and if I see that this church that was next door to me that wasn't doing anything about it, why would I want to step foot in there for a revelation seminar? Houseway. <laughs> How? Um, those are things I had to encourage my colleagues about. We have to be present. And that's the most important thing. When you go through a crisis in your community, it's the ministry of presence is where it's at. And that's something that I've taken on for throughout my whole career in ministry is the essence of the ministry of presence during a hard time. And yeah, it was hard. And I did risk my life. I did put myself on the line because COVID was still at large. But I made sure I I took my vitamins. I made sure I drank my water. I washed my hands. I masked up because wearing a mask saves lives, y'all. That's the kind of stuff that we go for. And being a black pastor, it was a double whammy for me. And this is why I actually decided to do the sister pastor Um, Not because I'm, not just only because I'm into the sisterhood, the essence of sisterhood holistically, but because I think I told y'all this, but one of my, a couple of my church members from my previous church back in Maryland, they called me the sister pastor. So I'm like, okay. So they referred to me as a sister pastor because I was the only black pastor and I was a woman pastor. So I decided to take on that role. And I said to myself, when I launched the Sister Pastor Grams on my Instagram, I said, gone are the days where I will use my blackness as a liability, but as an asset to my ministry. And that's something that I strive to do, even in my line of work, even with the stuff that I post on my social media handles and stuff. But nevertheless, guys, I believe that my people of the diaspora, we are resilient And we will rebuild. We will be stronger after all of this. And we will continue to apply pressure and call sin by its right name. As black pastors and theologians, we are holding our non-black colleagues accountable of living up to Genesis 126 where God made all men in his image men and women in his image and to go against a certain race or a gender is a total contradictory contradiction sorry guys of imagine day the image of god you must be outraged when a life is taken and i don't care about the person's past. The fact that a person put a knee to a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. 
It's appalling. Why did he find the need to put his whole knee into a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds? So as I reflect on the image of God, that's what motivated me to be out with the people, to gauge, to talk, to advocate in my church. And did I get flack from it? Did I get grief? Absolutely. And I still am getting grief from it. I even have pastoral colleagues that are dismissive of my people and our struggle. And I'm not here for that either. So nevertheless, guys, we have a message. We have a prophetic message. And just as the minor prophets and the major prophets in the Hebrew scriptures, as they took a stand for the injustice during their time, we're called to do the same thing. It's not just about who's supposed to marry who or fighting for unborn babies. We have to have a holistic approach, just as the Israelites had that holistic approach. So that's where I stand. People think that whatever I'm saying right now is political, but in all actuality, it's biblical. Because again, why? The image of God. The image of God. And as we are created in the image of God, we are called to reflect God's character. We are to collect We are to uh, reflect his love. We have to collect his cry for justice. We have to reflect his advocacy. So with that being said, I'm grateful that I'm still here. I'm safe. God's protection is amazing and just know we're going to be all right. A change is going to come. So anyways, guys, I know it's been a while. It's a long, long podcast, but I just want to keep you guys up to speed with the happenings here um, on my end. But just know I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm trying to stay healthy out here in these streets. I'm, think, I'm drinking my tea, washing my hands, and I'm wearing my mask. All right, guys. So thank you guys so much for listening in. And I hope to talk to y'all later. Ciao.